ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It's Sunday morning, and I'm drinking a hot cup of bottom gun coffee as I record this episode. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention that if you are interested in learning more about leadership, and of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, I am now putting more of my content out on Substack. So if you go to johnsrenny.substack.com, you can see some of the weekly short uh, leadership articles I write, and there's also links to each of the podcast episodes. But there's a lot more content out there that you can take a look at. And again, I put everything in bite-sized pieces so you can see it, you can read it, and you can move on with your life. And for example, this week's article was on Norm MacDonald, the comedian who passed away last week. Well, I learned something really interesting about his life, and I think every leader needs to hear it. So if you go on over to johnsrenny.substack.com, you can see links to these weekly articles. And the one on uh, Norm MacDonald especially is something that uh, hopefully that you'll read and you will learn something from it. So, uh, you know, thank you for tuning into the show. I really appreciate you guys listening in. And if you're looking for ways to support what I do on this show, all you got to do is purchase one of my books on my website, johnsrenny.com. Or visit my sponsors, BottomGunCoffee.com and IHaveTheWatch.com. Both use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Today, my guest is Lisa Marie Platsky. Now, she was in law enforcement with Homeland Security in the early part of her career. And there, she learned some valuable leadership lessons. And now, she teaches those lessons to leaders and entrepreneurs. Today, we talked about the subject of courageous leadership and what that looks like. Courageous leaders are people who are able to push through uncomfortable situations. They're willing to make difficult decisions, and they don't back down when things get too hard. This is a really important subject for all leaders. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lisa Marie Platsky. Lisa Marie is an international best-selling author, speaker, and leadership coach. She started her career in law enforcement with the Department of Homeland Security, where she gained valuable leadership experience. 
She now takes that experience and uses it to help executives, entrepreneurs, and small business owners become more effective leaders. I'm excited about having her on the show. So Lisa Marie, welcome. Thanks, John. Thanks so much for having me. Excited about our conversation today. I am as well. So what I wanted to do is kind of take people back a little bit. So you started off in law enforcement um, and you were part of the Department of Homeland Security. So how did your uh, experiences in law enforcement uh, put you on a journey to write, speak and teach about leadership? Well, imagine that you're thinking that you're going to walk into something that's going to have the mahogany desk and the really beautiful office because you've watched all of these police shows and you end up assigned to a pier that has all sorts of little creatures running around and different kinds of smells and scents, <laughs> you know, it, it was, um, law enforcement was a different, a different animal. However, I was always interested in leadership. I was interested in leadership as a kid. And when I had my interview for law enforcement, it wasn't actually at the interview it was the interview. Once you're on board, like your onboarding right. process, right. The question, I thought it was fascinating. I was hired with three other people and they all asked questions about benefits and opportunities. And my question was, how long did it take you to be in the position that you were at? Mm, and yeah. I was fascinated with what's the journey? Like, how yeah. do some people advance? How do some people end up in the same position for 10 years? How yeah. do some people climb the ladder? Like, what is leadership? Is it really a title? It was just it was just fascinating for me. And so I found that every day we have an opportunity to be on the leadership journey. It's leadership is simply influence and people inf make decisions every day to influence somebody else's way of being. And so I was just able to take those experiences and put them in my writing and my speaking and the journey as an entrepreneur, because it was sort of like a case study, a case right. study for leadership. So during that experience, did you have some really good leaders that inspired you and then others that uh, were, you know, maybe a cautionary tale when you, you know, that like, don't do what this person did? Uh, did you have those kind of uh, influences during your time in law enforcement? Oh, heavens, yes. You know, <laughs> I, I, I had um, I, many experiences with what I referred to as command and control leadership, mm -hmm. the you know, I, I'll tell you what to do and here's how to do it. And I probably won't say it very nicely uh, and don't have any thinking involved. And it was, it was fascinating because it's what led to also understanding that there's a very big difference between being strong and being powerful. Mm. So being strong, you can strong arm somebody into doing something and being powerful in your own message, in your own voice, in your own, how you actually lead in your way of being are two very different things. So I, I remember a situation where that was a really good experience because I could give you lots and lots of ones that were not so good. It just, especially being, uh, being a woman, it, it, it just, I can give you some other really not so good ones, but the one I love to share is where I saw leadership be modeled and, and, and a story that I think about over and over again of how brilliant leaders lead. And it was, I was on the job probably nine months 
and I made a mistake that was a big mistake. Mm. And it was one of those, oh my gosh, I'm in my probationary year. Yeah. How is this going to fare? And I don't, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. And I went in to my supervisor and I told him what happened and great guy, uh, Tony Maresca, just remember him such a good guy, uh, just brilliant leader. And he said to me, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go in and I want you to go back to what was going on. Tell the, tell the person, handle it this way. And he kind of laid it out. And ultimately what he was asking me to do was to go back and backtrack my steps and to look at making the situation right. And Mm. I've learned such a big piece of leadership is it's not so much about forgiveness, but it's about restitution and making things right. Mm. And then he had a conversation with me and he said, you know, Lisa, there's no way you're going to get everything right on this job. It's just not going to happen. It's whether or not you're willing to do that and, and make something right. But what was so amazing to me is that how the manner in which he did it, his explanation of it, how it's not so much that it wasn't a big deal, because for me, it was like, oh, my gosh, this could cost Mm. me my job. But for him, it was like people make mistakes and we're human. And so his way of being able to deal with that, you know, looking back, was it the biggest thing in the world? Maybe, maybe not. Um, And I'll share what it was. It was I was in a drug interdiction team and I, instead of faxing over to the steamship company, the copy that, that had no information in it, I faxed over the copy that had all of the enforcement information on it. Oh, wow. Right. So that's like, it's like pretty, you know, you're, you're new on the job and, you know, and you just, you confuse the two papers. And so he said, call them back. Tell them that you sent them the wrong paperwork, ask them to shred it or have, or go pick it up and then send them the real one, send them the one that we send them. And the steamship company was, you know, just so great about it. Um, He was so great about it. It never happened again. Had that been something where I was dressed down? um, I believe that my experiences in that operation would have been very different over the course of the next several months and years, if that makes sense. And um, it's one of those examples of leadership that I hold as so valuable of how you can truly allow someone's career to thrive, or you can cut them off at the knees and have them afraid to make decisions, you know, leadership by fear. Yeah, I oh no, I agree a hundred percent. I think that's a great story. I know I always talk about um you know, one of the things we could do as leaders is have have our employees back. So when someone makes an honest mistake, especially when they're new in their role, right? Do do we have their back or do we throw them under the bus? Right. And I think great leaders have have their employees backs and they support them and um and and and, and they'll they'll back them up when honest mistakes happen and uh versus, you know, like you say, uh, you know chewing them out and uh, making them feel tiny and, and, you know, really in a lot of cases ending and stalling their career because they made an honest mistake. So I think, I think having an employee's back is a really important part of leading people. 
And I think that you just said something so important, you know, stalling their career. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, what's the damage that you can potentially do when this person might have great ideas, they may have amazing new paradigms that they, things, how they see things may be different and could really support an agency and organization and, and make it better. And yet are they going to be willing to make those, to take those risks and to open their mouth and to do things differently, or are they really going to end up walking on eggshells? And so you're a first line supervisor has the ability to ultimately make or break. When we look at leadership lines, a lot of times people will speak about those those people in the C suite, and we don't yeah. we we forget about what the impact is on a first line supervisor. Yeah, first line supervisors are so important. They are the company to most employees. They they represent yes. the company to most. That's employees, it. Not the CEO. There's it's too far away. It's too disconnected. So yeah, absolutely. So you know, as you as you teach, as you talk, as you share leadership stories around the country, meeting with different companies and entrepreneurs and leaders, what are some of the biggest challenges leaders are facing today? I, you know, this is such an interesting question because I look at it as an equation that you've got to work backwards okay. with, and so what people will say that they struggle with is not having enough time to do whatever they say that they've got to do. And I look at that as that's really a clarity and a vision issue. Yes. And so, you know, you may say it's time, but it's if you're really clear about what the expectation is and you're really clear about where you're going, which means that the vision is really clear, then you don't have a shortage of time. You simply say no, perhaps to more things because this is where you're going. And I find that especially as I go into organizations and and in conversations about people who are working from home and now there's more distractions, when an employer sits down, an employer, not the employer, but when a supervisor or someone in the organization sits down with an employee and says, okay, you're going to be working from home. What's your environment look like? What are the um, what are the environmental implications of what's going on? Are there other family members at home? Are there other needs at home? And they're having those conversations to really understand what the work environment is because it's not controlled. Then there's this, and here's what the expectations are. You don't end up with somebody necessarily who is going, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time because you're in partnership with them. You're, you're looking at, well, here, here's the vision. Here's what we want to accomplish. And that involves a level of transparency and saying, you know, here's what we're going to be doing together. So, you know, I find that that's people, what I hear is time. What the real issue is, is vision. I, I, I so agree with that. And, and, you know, the other thing I would add too, is that if you find yourself being too busy to lead, you're not a leader, you're a doer. And so if you don't find that clarity, if you don't establish a clear vision and you focus just on what's really important in your role as a leader, you're going to end up being absent as a leader. You'll be, you'll be a doer and you won't be, you won't be there for your people. So you have to be careful about being too busy. I really think that's an important problem that I see as well is that people think that they have to do everything and they end up doing nothing with respect to leadership. So absolutely. Very, very absolutely. Point. Very and, 
Well, you know what else too, John, that, that's, that also goes back to, especially because you're in manufacturing, the idea of operational effectiveness versus efficiency. Like efficiency mm. really isn't all it's cracked up to be, because if you get lots of things done and they're not the right things, you're not effective. And if you're not right. effective, then you, so, you know, I, I'm sure you understand that in, in, especially in the manufacturing world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can spin your wheels and you can you can you can appear busy, <laughs> but are you really getting anything done? Are you getting parts out the door that are high quality? That's the only thing that really matters, right? And I think right. we forget that sometimes. You know, as you mentioned, leadership is influence. Leadership is, you know, getting your group of people to accomplish a great a, a task, a, you know, an important task. And sometimes we forget about people, we forget about the task and we forget about the, 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 the motivation piece. We, we forget about the three most important things of leadership and we <laughs> right. go do emails and that's not what leadership is all about, right? Leadership exactly. is, not, is not inbox zero. That is not leadership. That is, I don't know what that is, but it's, it's not good. It's not. I, uh, I, <laughs> I so agree when people are creating that as a celebration versus like how many people they had conversations with or, you know, what problem was solved, but, you know, instead I'll, you know, have coaching with somebody and they'll say, well, you know, I, I got my 353 emails done today and I'm sort of like, congratulations. Great. (laughs) (laughs) You're a doer, not a leader. (laughs) So, um, you know, one of the things that you're talking about, and I really like this and I want to hear your take on it is courageous leadership. So what what is that and how can leaders become more courageous in their in their roles? Courageous leadership started when I was looking at what the best leaders do differently. Like what mm. what do they what do they do differently from somebody who is given a title and and assumes that they're a leader? What's what's really somebody who's out there and is is experiencing that level of effectiveness? And this idea of the courageous leader was born, courageous leader in in the sense that they have the courage to have the audacity to believe that the who they are has the ability to make a difference on the wor- in the world, on the planet, by every with everything they do. Not and I shouldn't say do, I should say just who they're being has the has the effect. And then what they do is sort of extra icing on the cake. And there were three elements that came up over and over again when I was in conversations with leaders. And the first one is something that we've spoken about, which is vision, which is that this this idea of having a super clear vision of where it is that they're going. The second element of courageous leadership is vulnerability. Mm. Um, Being vulnerable, the the courage to be vulnerable. And then the third one is the courage to use your voice, to use your voice, to take a stand for something, because there are many people who believe that leadership is about walking the line, you know, this sort of line of balancing between not making anybody unhappy. Well, that's not leadership at all. Like people are sometimes going to be unhappy. There's people that I work with that are sometimes unhappy with the decisions that I make. There's times when I go in, I'm working with coaching clients and they're unhappy because I'm challenging them and pushing them because I see something that is really them hiding out or doing something that's negatively impacting themselves or their organization. And so leadership is not about walking the line to make sure that everybody is happy. Leadership is courageous and it means taking a stand for something. Now people, people get behind 
where your heart lies more than your knowledge any day. Like they can tell when somebody's really doing this for the best interest of all. So, you know, I, those three elements came up in conversations, in research, in, they would just come up over and over again. I think you're, you're, I think it's really important what you talk about. I think, especially when you say vision, I think one time, often we, often that gets muddied, right? So people come into our organization and they just, uh, we assume they know what to do and what, what the roles, what the goal of the company is, or the goal of the department is, or the goal of the organization is. We think through osmosis, they're going to get it. And, you know, I always think that if you can boil your, your vision or your objective or what you want people to do down to four words that you can repeat on a regular basis, then people remember those things. And they remember that, um, yeah, I give you an example. My, my wife was a a teacher when, uh, when I was, when I was in the military, she was teaching at a local public school and she had a really great leader as a principal. And he's, he, they had a goal of trying to maximize the amount of teaching time for each student. And she, he would say in every meeting, he'd say, Whatever you're doing, if you're if you're doing paperwork and there's students in the classroom, I want you to remember these words, stand up and teach, stand up and teach. And he just reminded them constantly. And so now we're, you know, 25, 30 years later, she's still teaching and she those words resonate in her mind. She, if she finds herself sitting down, she'll stand up because those words from, you know, you know, decades ago are, are still in her head, like stand up and teach. That's my mission. That's my vision. That's my that's what I have to do. And what I what I find in a lot of companies is that the vision and mission statements are like in some dusty binder in the, you know, in the lobby and no one knows what they are because, you know, they're, I don't know, they're, they're created by a committee and it's a bunch of words that don't mean anything. So what are the four words that, that, that mean your, that, that establish your vision? What, what do you want people to do when they're, when there's conflict, what, which direction do you want them to steer? And I think boiling it down to a clear vision that you can consistently communicate on a regular basis Super helpful. It's super helpful for you. It's super helpful for your people because they know, oh, okay, this is where we're headed and this makes sense. So I really like that you started with the idea of, of clarity of vision. I think that's really important. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. 
From Ahab's Revenge, extremely strong coffee, to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. Well, and what I appreciate is that you really get that clarity part. So one of the things that I'll say in courageous leadership is that vision, vulnerability, and voice each have a a hidden key to unlock it. And the hidden key to vision is clarity. The hidden key to, to, to vulnerability and voice are something different, but they each have a key that unlocks how you do that. So the clarity piece that you speak about is so important. And you're right about those four words. I say it all the time to my team. You know, we, we are on a mission to transform lives through leadership. We're on a mission Mm -hmm. to transform lives through leadership. Like that's who we are. And so we're working with people to be the best version of who they are so they can lead and make a difference in the world. And so when you say that, and when you've got the values to back it up, ours are excellence, accountability, and responsibility. I'm looking at that every single client. If I can't see that in a potential client, I can't work with them. Mm. I can't coach with them. And I can't hire them either to work on my team because there's, there's so much the thread of the work that I do. And, and you're right when it's, when it's something that some group of people in some boardroom created, and it's put in a really lovely laminated something or other and hung right. someplace, who knows where it, it's, it's of it's it's like it's almost like somebody went to the store and and got told you're supposed to read this book and they read it and it's like you have to have one of these but but like anything else if you're not if there's not the clarity that every single person in the organization has to be able to understand what the vision is and where we're all going well then you never get there you don't have a destination right right yeah no i think it's so important i really i really do um and it's it's it seems so simple to do, but it's something that's missed. We we again, I think we think that our people are going to get it through osmosis that they'll understand where what the priorities are. And I think you have to communicate that. You have to, you know, have to repeat that. It has to be part of your what what's your your normal communication standards. Is your your vision has to be communicated on a regular basis. So I like that um, vulnerability. Now this is a great topic because we covered it uh, with with a guest a couple of weeks ago. So um, talk about vulnerability. That's a really interesting topic. So when when some people hear the word vulnerable, they think weak, but it's not weakness, is it? No, vulnerability is a high level leadership skill because vulnerability is a way of being. Like it's, it's how you're, it's not a marketing tactic. It's not a, like, I'll tell you, you know, I'll bear my soul and I'll tell you all it's not dumping on somebody. It's actually how you model your vision. Like that's what vulnerability is. It allows you to model your vision. So if you want transparency in your organization so that you, you, your organization is more innovative and you get better ideas, you model that you actually are that you show that. And for myself, there are elements of my background where I will be 
vulnerable and transparent about the experiences that I've had growing up in a, a household with domestic violence or the, the things that were the hard things in my business when something doesn't go right. And the reason why I do that is because I want to give clients permission that all of their life is acceptable in the leadership mm. coaching conversations that we have. And if I don't model that, if I don't, if I don't disclose pieces of it, that doesn't mean I share every single part of my story right, or what right. my husband and I ate or, you know, any, anything <laughs> like that. It's just that if I don't share those pieces and I hide those and then expect others to be open in our conversations, there's like this layer missing and you can become incredibly unrelatable, yeah. unrelatable to your people, unrelatable to the people that you want to, to grow your organization. Yeah, that that's a really important part. I think you become inauthentic when you are when you don't bring your whole self to work, you know, when you're when you're, you know, this perfect, I, you know, I, it's almost like a caricature of a leader. You're not really a leader. You're just you, you're doing what you think leaders should do. And everyone sees that everyone sees you're fake and you're phony and you're not authentic. Right. And and the other thing is when you're inauthentic, people are like, I don't know if I trust that person. Right. They never yes. open up. So I, I I don't know who they are. Right. And um, they're like a robot at work or they're very, you know, nothing bothers them. They're just and, and I think you got to I like like what you said, bring your whole self to, to work, bring your whole self to your job. And, it, and it's not that you share everything. Right. But you share I, I always share how I'm feeling about something like, man, I can't believe that product got out without us, you know, torquing those bolts. I, I'm embarrassed by that. You know, telling your team, I'm personally embarrassed by that and I'm frustrated and, you know, and we have to figure out how to do better. This is unacceptable. And and I'm bringing my true emotions about the, you know, and I'm not hiding it and I'm not, and I think we have to, we have to, as leaders, bring our whole self and we have to bring our emotions into it. And, and it's not that you're, you know, it's crazy and you're, you're going from one thing to another, but just tell people how you feel about things. You know, I mean, especially, you know, we, we had a really rough you know, year and a half as business leaders trying to lead businesses during the COVID crisis, right? And I spoke a lot to different organizations during that time. And it was always about be authentic about how you feel about the situation. And guess what? You don't have all the answers because no one has the answers. So you have to say, I don't know sometimes. And that's a really important part of vulnerability is saying, you know what? I don't know what's what's going to happen here, but here's what we can do now, or here's here's what we can do, or, or what do you think about this particular issue? How could we handle it differently? And and stepping back and saying, I don't need to have all the answers, I, but I have to have the right questions and have those conversations. Oh, so true. Have to have the right questions. And you know, that was the biggest game changer in my law enforcement career because the guys in the beginning they didn't want to work with me john like they they were not they were not so thrilled to be with you know um long blonde hair long red white and blue nails and you know a pair of guest high top sneakers like they were not they were not at all thrilled to have me working alongside them and so for me you know i i had taken a, a leadership um, assessment and in the leadership assessment i did not score well i I was a zero, which was really embarrassing and wow. actually more than embarrassing. I shouldn't say that. Um, it was painful. Like it was really painful. And it was painful because when I got the results, the results were given in, in a way that was unsafe and just, um, you know, announced to the, to the class. Mm. 
um, with, with a further saying, you know, if Lisa invites you to do something and you show up, she doesn't really want you to be there. And if you invite her to do something, she's, she's wishing she was someplace else. And so it was really very painful. Um, However, from that experience, you know, I, I had to say to myself, Lisa, you can be smart and, and, and right and strong and tough, but you, you can also be alone and dead. Mm. And, and so it, it took me down the journey to begin doing exactly what you said, which is I expanded my vocabulary to three words, you know, I don't know. Mm. And I stopped working so hard to prove that I was perfect and I had all the answers. And it's what allowed me to be the fastest promoted officer. And what's so funny looking back now is that so many people, when you spoke about weakness, is that people believe that that vulnerability is going to have it be where people don't believe that they're smart enough to get the job done. And the opposite is true, is that by revealing your humanity, you give people the opportunity to themselves be human and to be have the full, complete human that they are show up. And so you're not, you're not getting this controlled or this hollow um, being that's trying to, to get it right all the time. And so I, I, I look at, you know, that experience for me ended up being one that changed my life and allowed me to really understand the importance of it. And the, the, the hidden, the hidden key that unlocks the door of that is forgiveness, that to be Mm. able to really forgive yourself for your misgivings, to forgive others for theirs, so that if you are upset or angry or frustrated and you communicate it, you're communicating in a way that is not shaming others for Mm. the behavior, that it's really comes from a place of, I don't understand why this has happened. I'm upset because this doesn't meet our standards of excellence. And I really am, would like to identify what happened, what my role is it, it, in it was as the leader yeah, and what it is that we can do to be better. And I don't know that, I think that sometimes vulnerability people come from a place of going, well, I guess I'll just be vulnerable and I'll spew out all my feelings and I'll tell them how I feel. And it's like, no, that's not vulnerability at all. Um, Yeah, no, that's a, that's, that's really important point that you bring up is that vulnerability isn't, isn't, uh, you got to be careful that you don't go so far as that people think that, well, you know, John doesn't know what he's doing. He seems like really wishy-washy and he doesn't really know. It's about being, being authentic with your emotions. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, like I was saying earlier, like one of the things I learned as a young leader, I got my first plant uh, that I ran at 32 years old and I had people that worked for me that had been there for 32 years. So how do you, how do you lead people that are older and wiser and have more experience? And, you know, and so, and I thought at that time I had to have all the answers. So I thought, you know, I've got to, I got to pretend like I know what's yep. going on. And, and been and, there, I get know, it. And it's not, but it's not, you know. But you're, but when you pretend, everyone sees it, you know. And yep. so I learned through that first plant that uh, I learned vulnerability because I was vulnerable. I didn't really know what I was doing. I should probably shouldn't have been promoted that uh, soon. But I learned to start letting go and starting asking questions and seek out the people that did know the answers and, and listen to them and listen to their feedback. 
But the, the, the other thing I learned, though, was really important is when all the feedback came in and I heard everything that everybody was saying, the one most important thing that I had to do as a leader is put the rudder in the water and steer in the direction that made the sense to me as a leader. And what ends up happening sometimes is that people hear all this input or leaders hear all this input and they don't make a decision. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and you have a rudderless ship that is wandering around the ocean aimlessly. And I think so being vulnerable doesn't mean that you're you're weak. It means that you're willing to open up and listen to different ideas. But at the end of the day, you're going to put the rudder in the water and you're going to steer the ship in the direction that makes the best sense for the business and the people. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. That is that is it, is that it's not about the it's it's not about just going well now we're all gonna get together and talk about you know what we or feel right, and we're all right. gonna be like you know nah that's not it that's you're missing the boat on that one yeah exactly exactly so that's really interesting so it's interesting you come from law enforcement background and you you gained all this st- stuff that you brought into the leadership world I came from the military world and brought all this stuff into you know, the business world, it's kind of interesting that, but there's very similar um, lessons that you learned in law enforcement that I learned in the military that I was able to kind of bring into the world of business. It's very interesting. They came from two different worlds, but kind of came to the same general conclusions. Well, leadership is leadership is leadership, right? When you see a good leader and you can see them and you see those characteristics, even if you're not sure what it is, if you, if you take the time and, and dissect it, it's it's the same themes over and over and over again about what great leaders, the world's best leaders do differently. It's they, they possess the same qualities. That's to me, that's that courageous leadership, uh, having the courage to lead. That's exactly what it takes because some people think that they're leading because they have a title and they've led no one to anything. Um, and as somebody who had a similar journey as, as you, um, I was the fastest promoted officer and I would go, oh my gosh, I don't know the answer to that. And I would go in the corner and I would call like <laughs> one of my colleagues and go, how do I do this? And then finally I was like, forget this. Like, I'm just going to say, I don't know how to do this. And I got to call someone and, or, you know, I've got to, because there were guys that I was promoted that they had 37 years on the job and I had four, you know, yeah. and so you're, you're going, they, they have more experience. Um, what I, from, from leadership research and the, the top four qualities of leadership um, in Kozis and Posner's work, you know, number four is competence. And what I learned was competence had nothing to do with the number of years I had on the job. Competence had to do with all the levels of experience that I had, you know, in my life up to that point that contributed to my leadership. As long as I would get out of my own way and was willing to be vulnerable. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's great. Really good stuff. Well, you've got something uh, interesting coming up. You've got a conference. I want to let you give, you give you a chance to talk about that. So what is this conference and what, what's up with that? Well, I, I um, Design Your Destiny Live, my Upside Summit is my 14-year running leadership wow. conference. Yes, it is. Wow, it really is. And we didn't, even last year, uh, people said, you know, are you going to do it this year in January? And I said, yes. And it was very small because of because of everything going on in the world. However, we have had it live and 
for 14 years in a row. And it's in Scottsdale, Arizona, three days. And I dive into my seven pillars of leadership. And ultimately people come who are serious about wanting to increase their leadership IQ, be a more influential leader and make a bigger impact in the world. And what's great about that is how you define your world it, it, your world could be your family. Your world could be your community. Mm. It could be the planet. You know, it, it, it really is um, dependent on you to define what that looks like. But these seven pillars of leadership allow people to spend time walking through their plan for the year. They, it allows them, gives them time to really dive into who they are and, and what they really want and what their priorities are and how to map those out and what to say and who to say it to. And it's, it's really a lot of fun. We, we, uh, we dive in deep and uh, lots of, lots of honest conversations. That sounds great. When is that? When does it occur? It's January 21st, 22nd, 23rd. And then we do it again the following Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So we do it two weeks in a row. So where can people find out more about that? They can find out more at designyourdestinylive.com, D-E-S-I-G-N-Y-O-U-R-D-E-S-T-I-N-Y-L-I-V-E.com, designyourdestinylive.com. I got it. We'll go pull, put a link in the show notes and um, Thank you. so people can, can uh, find out about it. And uh, they've got time, it sounds like, between uh, now and uh, January to to get on yeah. board if they want to. So yes, we're half sold out, which is very exciting. Oh, wow. Okay. So we're Excellent. Good. So we'll get that message out there. And how can people find out more about you? And of course, we didn't get a chance to talk about all your books you've written, but um, <laughs> how can people find out more about you and all the books you've written and everything that you're doing with respect to leadership and coaching? Well, Upside Thinking is the name of my company. So Upside, U-P-S-I-D-E, and the word thinking, T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G.com. And then if you do backslash stay-connected, stay connected, then uh, there's actually an influential leadership blueprint you can download that we'll send you that has... Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it is like a mini book because it's 30 pages long and it, oh, nice. you actually have exercises in it. And there's also ways to um, get, I have a weekly upside thought that's got a challenge in it, challenging you to courageous leadership, one action a week. So we, we put, we put that out for, for the last 14 years. And wow. so this is, um, this, these are the, the, the ways to be able to stay connected. I love it. That's great. And um, so, yeah, leaders, you're listening in on this podcast. You know, this is a great resource for you. There's great, uh, great tools on the website, great books. There's a conference uh, coming up. These are all ways, you know, always say that you leaders, we've got to keep learning. We got to keep growing. We got to keep getting better. Um, the, The best leaders are always learning. And this is your opportunity to learn more, um, you know, Get on Lisa Marie's website, find out what she's up to, and uh, again, learn from someone that's been in the trenches that has uh, has led people and is now leading, teaching leadership. These are the resources you want to be connected to. Thank so, you. Thank, thank you, you so very much. much. John. I yeah, thank really... you for being on the show and sharing everything that you've shared. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And I, I'm a and fan I of your podcast, well. so thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well.
Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. DC, I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid.